This week on the podcast, some nonprofit news for April 5th. This week helping us is none other than Nick Azaway, helping us with our nonprofitnewsfeed.com summary of what's going on. Our our favorite, Carisha, still on vacation. I hope she's enjoying herself. But Nick, you're going to talk us through some of our top news in the nonprofit sector. So what do we have? Thanks, George. I'll dive right into it. Our first story is from philanthropy.com, and this story is about that positive economic predictors should be good news for nonprofits after a challenging 2020. So this uh, article looked at different economic predictors like GDP, regional economic indicators, unemployment, government spending, and even the stock market to try to predict the health of nonprofits. Um, And while every nonprofit's revenue stream and expenses are different, a growing economy might be a macro level predictor of a less grueling year for the nonprofit sector. Um, I think a lot in the sector are hoping that if the whole US economy expands, that this will you know, kind of trickle down and, and apply to nonprofits as well, just kind of looking for a breath of fresh air after a really challenging 2020. Yeah, the macroeconomic indicators did like then boil that down to like, how does that help my nonprofit? It's can be a stretch, but it's important to note that things like the GDP may be like, why do I care about that? Well, it's odd, but 2% of GDP just tends to be what makes its way into the wallets of nonprofits in terms of total donation. That tends to be uh, that number. So the fact that it was up 4.3% in the fourth quarter of 2020, and by the way, we're about to get record-breaking stimulus <laughs> checks being sent into the system with other things on the horizon. Yeah, it's pointing to this may be a, uh, a good, if not great, hopeful year and maybe years to come for uh, the nonprofit sector. Absolutely. And a stronger economy means more donors and a strong <laughs> position, <laughs> position to give. We can only hope, right? So good thing to keep an eye on. George, I'll jump into our next one. And our next one is really interesting, albeit alarming. It would seem that increasingly extremists, particularly neo-Nazis and white supremacists, are using direct peer-to-peer giving platforms to raise money. And so with a rise in the popularity of direct giving, these hate organizations are raising funds for causes like providing legal access for the people who stormed the Capitol, even, um, you know, people who engage in genuine acts of violence. Um, According to a professor of computer science from Elon University, She says, it's so predictable and it's never going away. I don't know what the answer is. It seems like the, you know, kind of the multitude of these platforms and and new ones keep popping up every day. It's something of an intractable problem. And I don't know what the solution is to solve it, but these, these groups and actors are raising money without surveillance or oversight. And I think that the nonprofit sector in particular needs to pay attention and understand how their platforms that they're using are responding to these bad causes that do occur on them, unfortunately, with increasing frequency. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick 
ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, We really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. Yeah, I have, you know, a couple, I see a couple different narratives in here, you know, they actually sort of name, this was the USA Today article, you know, they name sites like GoFundMe saying it like it's literally banning, you know, as you saw before, anybody who was fundraising to go travel to events that have high risk of violence. But frankly, it's like, you know, it's like whack-a-mole though, because there is always somebody in a beautiful capitalist system willing to take someone's money for whatever cause and whatever reason. Um, and you see that, you know, if you want to send money to someone, you know, people are using cash app or they're using uh, these other, you know, much lesser known, but, you know, like give, send, go. I'd never even heard of it. And like, apparently a bunch of people are using it. So these peer-to-peer unregulated platforms offer a way for anyone to put up a story and then it gets shared. So I don't think you can really stop the flow of money to disreputable causes by people that see it as a, a rallying cry. You know, it speaks to a different issue. We're like, you know, focused on the, the down the river problem while not paying attention. You know, it's flooding down here. How do we build a bigger wall to stop the flood? And be like, where's this water coming from? You know, I think we have a downstream sort of situation. But the other narrative I see here is you know, the role of nonprofits in their sort of saying, hey, here are vetted ways of, you know, we look at a group like Give Directly saying like, all right, I want to go help these people in this way. Um, and here is a vetted way to, to send money to individuals that have been checked. And you realize that the platform checking um, is, is less stringent than maybe a nonprofit with a public facing 990 that has to be audited and checked. It's something we'll have to keep an eye on for always sure. We always keep our eye on everything. All right, what else do we have in our summary, Nick? Great. So uh, first from our summary, we have an interesting article that it turns out that for the first time ever, fewer than 50% of Americans indicate that religion is very important. And this comes after, uh, you know, a long history of kind of an entrenched religious culture in the United States and This marks a turning point in kind of how religion plays a role in the broader American society. And what it means for nonprofits is, well, we think about it, think about how many nonprofits and charitable and philanthropic causes are tied to religious organizations. Even some really, really large nonprofits that you wouldn't even necessarily think of as religious have that kind of foundation behind it. So it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on and see if these religious affiliated nonprofits bear any of the kind of downstream negative effects maybe of declining donations or or revenue or that sort of thing. But an interesting trend that I doubt will reverse anytime soon. It's hard to say, you know, it's a historical low, but also so is church attendance as a result of COVID restrictions. I can see it bouncing back just as quickly where, you know, you're able to go back in person, see the value and feel that value as opposed to, you know, let's just be honest, if you're, as many churches have moved to Zoom um, for safety, it's just the connection may not be as strong um, or as present in a survey. This is coming from from Gallup, 
um, very, very well-known, obviously, um, polling group. And they're like religiosity, largely unaffected by events of 2020, but it's still dropped in that press release. I think if you were a religious nonprofit, you're probably already aware of this. All right. Our next story is from San Antonio, and this comes from localksat.com. And it says that extremist groups are using pandemic isolation to lure people of all ages, but an anti-extremism nonprofit is stepping in to fill in the gap. So the executive director of Parents for Peace, at found at parentsforpeace.org, um, says that the organization's hotline for combating extremism has been hot, hot, hot since the COVID-19 pandemic. And to me, this is this is the solution. We were talking about those downstream effects. You know, how do you not block the water, but how do you stop the flow of the water in the first place? And it seems like this organization is just doing just that, providing parents with the resources to intervene um, if they find a a child or a loved one or someone else they're in contact with kind of sliding down the path of extremism, which, you know, with social media is now more prevalent and, you know, we've seen the effects of it on our society. So it looks like this group is stepping in, in a vital way to kind of combat extremism and, and hopefully get to the root of the problem, which often is feelings of isolation, depression, um, and a whole host of other issues. So Good work. Yeah, I mean, the raw materials of usually that, that path they're saying, which is interesting, uh, the raw materials are anxiety and depression. And they're like, and they can quote here, it's like, I haven't handled a single case that doesn't have to do with either mental health, identity crisis, or someone that is struggling with some kind of grievance. And like, we are high in, in, those, uh, in those elements, certainly coming out of 2020. And so to try to be as mainstream that and trying to give parents the, the language to say, hey, I know you spend your entire day on the internet. There's a lot of bad stuff there. Let's talk about underlying issues and, and offering that um, through through calls. And we know uh, a lot of organizations out there, you know, crisis text line, offering it through text for people that are in uh, uh, a moment of crisis. Like those are the types of interventions that need to be more talked about, more accessible. And keep in mind, when I say the word accessible, think about how accessible an extremist hate group on Facebook is, as they literally can sometimes advertise it directly to you or a YouTube video that shows up after the next one that shows up to the next one. Uh, so, you know, it's one thing to say like, oh, they are available, but they, in the true sense of it, can't compete with the availability of the Facebook and other media that, that, that drag people into extremism. And those, those groups are working hard, tirelessly to, to put up the kind of content that'll prey upon anxiety, depression, and mental illness. All right, our next story is from Bank of America. And this is just a quick update following up on a report from a couple of weeks ago. But Bank of America has committed $1.25 billion to combat racial inequity. Um, and since announcing the pledge last June, the bank has committed more than $350 million in the areas of health. Uh, jobs, affordable housing, and small business assistance. Um, and the additional funds will go towards advancing racial, racial justice, advocacy, um, and equality for folks of color. And I know we've kind of seen a lot of this. This is a trend um, that we hope continues. Uh, of course, you know, <laughs> money is not the only type of work that needs to be done. Um, but uh, a, a good thing to note um, 
yeah, just kind of a follow-up from, from previous trends that we've been seeing, but a notable one. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the trend. We're, we're going to keep seeing it um, where more and more companies come out to say like, all right, what is our investment when measured in dollars uh, for uh, racial inequity? All right. Our next one, George, I'm just going to do a little bit of the talking. I'll let you take this because this is, this is yours. But Windfall is a startup that is developing an AI platform to help nonprofits engage donors. And as it turns out, they just raised $21 million in venture capital. And the company says that the funds will be used to invest in R&D and scaling up at their marketing and sales. But George, is this AI finally breaking into the nonprofit space? This comes from venturebeat.com. What do you yeah, think about this? You know, I think it's <laughs> important to separate the you know, fact fiction and hype here. Um, I will obviously say like I, whether you realize or not, every single nonprofit is using AI already. Literally, when you open your email, AI had something to do with probably the platform you're using. And if you are, you know, on a, any sort of web analytics piece, AI had something to do with it. Um, if you're looking at any sort of dashboard, it was probably part of the process. If you're using Google search, you are using AI. So Let's be clear, some of that is, is there. But what I like seeing in the, the sort of headline coming out of VentureBeat is the fact that like they're leading with the fact that like the nonprofit sector is commanding um, this a level of, of raise, $21 million in venture capital to invest in helping people stay engaged with, uh, with donors, meaning there's a market opportunity means there's new applications of, uh, of tech to be found. So it may mean we get access, we being the sector, to cooler tools in the coming future and also uh, potentially even more startups because where there's one, there are others saying like, hey, here's the total addressable market. I put it in a, uh, a deck and then I got funded. Oh, interesting. So it may spur a new wave of uh, people uh, working to uh, build interesting tech for nonprofits. Another one to keep an eye on. George, should we go into our feel-good story? I'll throw you a teaser. George, why might we be talking about Pete Davidson on a nonprofit news podcast? Well, because all roads lead to NFTs, especially when we are in charge of curating this. But I don't know if you saw the uh, what the hell's an NFT SNL uh, skit uh, played perfectly to, uh, to an Eminem song in which they describe what an NFT is in hilarious fashion. And it is, you know, if you haven't seen it, go you know, check that out. It's in, uh, obviously linked in our feel-good stories. But the thing is, in there, they create a sort of joke NFT, but they turn that into a real NFT, a non-fungible token, and being sold on OpenSea, which is the largest open source market for NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and they will donate, here's the nonprofit hook, all of the proceeds to stop AAPI hate. All proceeds going to them. The, the bidding is actually currently in process, and maybe next week will be done, but it's, it's going to end um, today. And they're currently at about uh, over $35,000 bids or uh, 16.5 ETH for, for you uh, crypto heads out there. George, I can't think of anything not to love about this story. <laughs> Done. If that doesn't make you feel good, well, I'm sorry you're having such a rough day. Made me smile. As always, you can check out nonprofitnewsfeed.com. Sign up for free. Um, share this too. Leave us a rating. I love ratings. We have a few. I think... Uh, I think I need to leave a rating myself so we can help our um, our standing in the, in the iTunes world. All right. 
Thanks, Nick. Thanks, George. Talk later. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 